0: Start going out, finding deals, and then go and get those deals closed. I know it's easier said than done with what I just said, but the less complicated you make it the easier it's going to be
1: best ever listeners before we get into today's episode I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor you recognize his name he's been on the show multiple times just search Trevor McGregor Joe Fairless and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him and he has a lot of value during those interviews well he's had a lot of value in my life For the last five years I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach and he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him I had four single family homes and oh by the way I was also single. Fast forward to today my company controls over 300 million dollars worth of real estate and I am happily happily married. Clearly results are going to vary but He has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investment business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations, and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program, and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value, so he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him, and then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been in my conference a couple years, and I know him well, and I suggest that you get to know him as well. CoachWithTrevor.com Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Jason Lucchese. How you doing, Jason? Good. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Jason. He founded the real estate investment company called Global Fortune Solutions in 2008. He's also got a nonprofit. And the website there is noflippingexcuses.org. He's been involved in over $250 million worth of closed transactions. And he's based in Indianapolis, Indiana. So with that being said, Jason, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: My background is I got started in 2008 as a full-time investor. And the main reason for that is I got started because I didn't have a college degree. And I was just coming out of a really bad spot from being in the mortgage business. That's when the collapse just started. And I didn't have a college degree. I was doing really well at the place I was at, which was Countrywide Home Loans. And essentially, as soon as I got out of the mortgage business, I couldn't find anywhere that wanted to hire me unless it was 100% commissioned. So I decided to go all in on myself and not have a backup plan. I went all in with real estate, and decided to make it happen. And what I'm really focusing on today is mainly wholesaling. I do about 10% of the business is rehabbing, 65% of it's wholesaling, and then the remaining portion is buying properties that we could put into the portfolio that produce income.
1: So between 2008 and today, how has that percent breakdown changed?
0: It's been somewhat around the same. I would say rehabs have gone from 20% to 10%. It's just something that I don't really enjoy doing, even though I've completely systematized it to where I don't really have to be there anymore. I don't like having our capital out for a long period of time, either be our own personal acquisition capital or private funding. I just don't like having that funding out for a certain period of time, especially with rehabs. You never know what's going to come up and what delays you're going to foresee, especially we're in several different markets. So we could hit a little bit of a snag and it becomes somewhat of a problem. So we try and just keep our capital in projects that we know aren't going to take long periods of time.
1: Yeah. If I was in your business, I would be doing the same thing. I mean, Why risk your capital on a rehab if you can get similar or as great or even greater profits in some cases on wholesales?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. So let's talk about your approach to wholesaling since that's 65% of your business. What can you tell us about the way you approach the business?
0: So I actually promote it from a backwards position. Whenever I get into any deal, we have a pretty large buyers list now, but for a lot of folks that we work with, we have a lot of training where we train folks. We always tell individuals, start off with getting your buyers first. Find out exactly what they want because if they don't want four bedroom, two bathroom homes, there's no reason for you to be looking at four bedroom, two bath homes. So we approach it in a way to where we know exactly what our buyers want. So we only go after deals that we know that if we get them at the right price and we could sell them at the right price, we know that deals are going to go quickly. So we like to find the buyers in advance and we like to know what our buyers want. So with that being said, we approach deals in a way it's where we're going after properties that are absentee homeowners. We're still going after short sales, but short sales that actually have equity in them. And we're also going after probates and properties directly from hedge funds and banks.
1: Let's talk about getting your buyers first. What are some tactical ways that we can build our buyers list?
0: The three easiest steps I would recommend, and you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home or if you have a day job, this is something that I did. I used Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn to build my buyers list. And you really don't need a big, gigantic buyers list. So I would find other real estate investors on LinkedIn. I would see how active they are, what type of groups they're in. That would really help out with finding there's literally type in real estate investor on LinkedIn and there's gonna be millions on there that are real estate investors. Same thing goes for Facebook. I would find people in real estate related groups on Facebook, I'd reach out to folks, not be salesy. I'd, I'd actually wanna get to know the person before I started doing some sort of a pitch. But I liked getting to know people first before letting them know, hey, I'm coming across deeply discounted Off-market properties, would you be at all interested? Same thing goes for YouTube. Most people, they don't even think about this one, but you type in like we buy houses on there or you want to do it from a geographical standpoint, we buy Indianapolis houses and you look at all the channels that are on there, you're going to find people that are already looking for properties or they could be potential partners like bird dogs or JD partners for you. Their emails, their phone numbers, they're all going to be available. So you don't ever have to leave the comfort of your own home or some people like to work at coffee shops. You don't have to leave the coffee shops. So it's very easy to get them. And then what we do from there, Joe, once we find some people that are good, we like to find out their title companies because those could be good title companies that we want to close at. But instead of asking for a proof of funds right off the bat, we talk to their title companies and find out when's the last time they've actually closed on a transaction. And if it's crickets on the other end of the, the call, we know it's probably not a real individual that has access to capital to where they could close on deals if we do send them deals. So that's a way that we vet people too without having to ask for a proof of funds, which a lot of new investors face and they don't know how to overcome that.
1: Mm, yeah, it's, it's a nice tip with a YouTube, LinkedIn, you talked about that. I might've missed your Facebook example for how to build our buyers list on Facebook.
0: Sure. So what I do is we go on Facebook and in their little search engine area, I just type real estate and it'll automatically pop information up for you. But what I do is I just click on the little magnifying glass there. And what I do is I click on groups And then it'll bring up all of the real estate related groups on Facebook. And there's literally thousands, if not millions of groups on Facebook. And you could just start going after, I like just going after regular groups. And if you're looking in a geographical area, you could put real estate, Indiana or real estate, Chicago, whatever it may be, wherever you're at, it's very simple to find folks in a geographical area, just from looking at the Facebook groups. You go on there and you could just start looking at other members. And it's very easy to join groups. There's an unlimited number of groups that you could join on Facebook compared to LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn's at 100. But you could still, you could go onto Facebook and you could look at all the members that are in that group and you could just start sending them messages. And I'd recommend you, you don't send off spammy messages, but just messages like, hey, I, I wanted to reach out, saw that we're in the same group together. And wanted to see if I could potentially do business together, you know just a simple message like that, Joe really goes a long way and starts building up relationships with people
1: If I got that message and I know I'm going to be picking apart words, but if I got that message, I think spam because I don't know who you are, and no I don't potentially do business with you I, I have no idea what that means, but is that type of message does that work with other people, and is it just me or? Is that not the exact message that we should be sending?
0: No, it works, I would say, about six out of every 10 times. But like I was saying, I would make sure that it's going to be personalized. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't just say, hey, I would put, hey, Joe, my name is Jason Lucchese. I saw that we're a part of the real estate Indianapolis group here on Facebook. I want to reach out to you. I'm doing some business here coming across some deeply discounted off-market deals. And I want to see if you would be interested at all in looking at any of the deals that we're coming across. Okay. That way you could change up your messaging to whatever suits you as a professional. But we try and make it in a way to where it's going to get them interested and want to respond back. But normally when I send off a message, just like I said, the response rate is actually between 6 7 out of every 10 people that we send a message off to.
1: On the second part, if I was interested in buying homes like that, I would be inclined to respond back for sure. I mean, yeah, put this email on your email list and let me know. Yeah, absolutely. With your business, can you tell us maybe the last wholesale deal? Let's talk about a case study, last wholesale deal that you did.
0: Yeah, it's actually a pretty good one. It was a probate transaction It was a referral from our attorney, and he made an introduction for us. The executor of the estate is out of the state, and she was interested in selling the home. She didn't know the best way to go buy it. She didn't know if she should have it listed with an agent or if she should try and sell it by herself like a for sale by owner. So... What happened was the attorney said, hey, I've got a real estate investor. He's been working with me for the past couple of years. I've sent him some folks that have gone in a similar situation like yourself. They just want to sell the property. And next thing you know, we're having a a conversation, me and the executor of the estate. And she was letting me know, hey, I want to just sell the property and everything that's included with it. So she was including the personal property in there as well. So I went and took a look at it. I noticed there was a car in the garage. It wasn't like an awesome car, but it's a nice car. We ended up picking up the property right around 60% of after repair value, which was a really good deal for us because the car, we ended up taking it to CarMax and CarMax gave us a $6,000 check right on the spot because we bought the property with personal property included. So the title of the car transferred over to our company as well. And then we had some random stuff in the house that ended up being like close to a $1,000, just like some old magazines and some memorabilia that people wanted. And we just sold those on Craigslist. And we ended up wholesaling the property. We ended up buying it, but we did a wholesale still on it. So we still sold it same day. We just wanted to sell those other things before we got the A to B, B to C transaction. So We bought it for 60 and we sold it for 70, but keep in mind, we got a $6,000 check from CarMax and around $1,000 from some of the goods that we sold in the house. So we ended up making after closing costs, it was like a little over 16,000 bucks and it was a deal that literally took maybe about 17 days from start to finish.
1: Oh, that's a fun one. That's got a couple of wrinkles that aren't typical with the CarMax thing and with the $1,000 in memorabilia that you sold.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, Joe, we find a lot of folks, they don't want to go back to mom and dad's house and go through all that stuff themselves. So they end up wanting to do a lot of the, hey, I just want to sell you everything. And we go over there, take a look at it. If it makes sense, we'll do it.
1: Who goes through the stuff in the house and cleans it up and identifies what to sell, what not to sell, then takes pictures of it, puts it on Craigslist? Because there is time involved in that. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, it's typically my acquisitions manager that goes over there and does all of that. And that's how they get paid. They get a base salary with the company. And then I also pay them a percentage of the transaction. So they get about 10% from transactions closed. And then they also get a base salary
1: from me. Does the attorney receive a referral fee? No,
0: we can't do that. We can't send them any type of a referral fee here in the state of Indiana. I haven't done that in any other states, but typically what I do is I send all referrals to him as well. Then we also have him listed on all of our sites. So he gets plenty of business from us in return so that we can do business that way. And then every once in a while too, I'll send them like a really nice gift card to a nice steakhouse or something like that. That's completely legal.
1: Based on your experience as a real estate investor since 2008, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would say keep it simple. So many people do the whole analysis paralysis thing. They read so many books. They take so many educational courses. They become doctors when they go on Google. I like to just say, keep it extremely simple. If you want to wholesale, get eight to 12 cash buyers, start going out finding deals and then go and get those deals closed. I know it's easier said than done with what I just said, but the less complicated you make it, the easier it's going to be. And especially for brand new people, once they get through like five, 10 transactions, then you could really start implementing systems in your business to where You're not working in the business, you're working on the business. Because if you're always going to be working in your business, you really don't have a business, you have a job. So my big thing is, yeah, it's good to get educated. You need to get educated. But there's a point where you get yourself too educated and you really don't take that leap of faith knowing that this business is going to work. So that's some of the best advice I would give is just keeping the business really, really simple, especially in the beginning.
1: And now let's talk about as you went through your beginning stages and then scaled and worked, what is it, on your business, not in your business. As you're doing that, who was the first person you hired? We don't need a name, but just what was their role? And then what were the subsequent hires?
0: Sure. So first person I hired was an acquisitions manager. And he went around, he would do the door knocking, he would be responsible for doing the direct mail marketing, he would be responsible for taking inbound calls and also making outbound calls, he'd be responsible for getting deals under contract. And then from there, I would still have my hand in the jar by once we get deals under contract, I would get them sold to our buyer. So that's when I brought on our liquidations manager and taught them how to properly sell deals that made financial sense for us, especially if we get a deal under contract. How do we get that deal sold for the maximum amount of money, but also make it a really great deal for our cash buyer to make sure that they continue to buy deals from us, not just one-off transactions. So the liquidations manager would have a role as well, not as big as the acquisitions manager, but they still had to maintain our current cash buyers list and also increase that cash buyer portfolio and database as well. And then as we started to scale a little bit more, I started hiring an assistant to help out with day-to-day operations to make sure that the acquisitions and liquidations manager was getting deals and everything was going through the system properly from a day-to-day. And then The liquidations manager eventually started adding on to where they started making sure title was clean and closings were being scheduled and all parties were notified and that they would show up at the scheduled time that we had for the closing. And to get a little off the plate, I did hire somebody just to do marketing from a a part-time basis to run some pay-per-click ads for us, to be responsible for doing our direct mail marketing which we started outsourcing that to another company. We started using gobigprinting.com and also yellowletterscomplete.com to outsource that so we wouldn't have to do that manually anymore. And then I also hired somebody just to keep our books clean and making sure that we were operating the right way. So the bookkeeper would only come in like one to two times per week and Mm -hmm. they were just paid when they would come in.
1: That's outstanding. Thank you for talking through that and also giving the marketing vendors that you use because I was going to ask about that. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round?
0: <laughs> Let's. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best at it for you.
1: I know you're ready. I, I can sense you're ready. All right, let's do it. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partner. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to to discover how to build financial freedom with with a focus on business and real estate. Check out pillarsofwealthcreation.com and subscribe today. Best ever book you've read? The e Best ever deal you've done that wasn't your first and wasn't your last? A short sale. Can you tell us about that deal?
0: Sure. It was a deal that We were able to find and we got it negotiated and we were able to have the auction that was going to be going on the next day stopped and we were able to close on the transaction. The individual homeowner didn't have to have a foreclosure on their credit.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a deal?
0: Not having private money lined up. My very first deal could have brought in six figures easily But I didn't have a private money lender lined up. So I ended up making right around $3,500 because of a lot of mistakes that happened with closing costs. But having a private money lender, even if it was a hard money lender, I still would have made close to six figures with a hard money lender.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: Best way to give back right now is giving back to folks that have a disability and they need help getting around from room to room. Right right now we're working with a gentleman that's a quadriplegic, and we are remodeling the whole entire house for him to make it wheelchair accessible. It was probably about three, four weeks ago for the first time ever in their house, we had heat turned on and we were able to get them hot water. And now we're gonna be working on the foundations where he can actually go and use the shower, and we're going to make the transitions from room to room easier for him since he has a power chair. That's just one of the individuals that we worked with. We're working with several others to do the same thing, and that's what our organization is all about.
1: And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: The best way I would recommend is I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and also we have noflippingexcuses.org. You can check us out there. And got a ton of content as well on YouTube. And hopefully I'll be able to have Joe on our podcast as well, which is the No Flipping Excuses show. So maybe we could line that up to have you on there, Joe.
1: Well, I believe in the approach of having No Flipping Excuses. So I would love to be on that show. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for being on this show and sharing your experience and also your lessons learned, the approach that you take from choosing to wholesale primarily 65% right now of your business is wholesaling and some tips for beginning wholesalers of how to build your buyers list Facebook YouTube LinkedIn just being resourceful and then some messaging that you can send your potential buyers and then how to qualify them without getting a proof of funds so just talking to the title companies about when's the last transaction they closed and then from a more experienced investor that is listening who is wholesaling how to scale your wholesaling company and the hires you brought on in sequence that in which you brought them on acquisitions manager liquidation manager assistant marketing started doing some automation on the marketing and then the bookkeeper. So thanks for walking us through a process that talked to us about beginning. And then also if we're looking to scale from a wholesaling standpoint, hope you have a best ever day. Enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out PillarsOfWealthCreation.com and subscribe today.